The information provided is for educational purposes and is not intended to diagnose or treat any conditions. The lifestyle interventions discussed should not be used as a substitute for conventional medical therapy. Imagine if medicine actually looked at you as a whole, opposed to looking at you as a bunch of separate systems. Dive into Integrative Wellness Radio with Dr. Nick and Dr. Nicole to learn more about the top trends in integrative medicine, to learn about what the limitations are with testing and what you can do to start your health journey. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. I'm wearing the same shirt because I'm doing three in a day. So when you guys see me online. (laughs) Uh, So welcome back to another episode of Integrative Wellness Radio. Uh, We've been talking all about the neurological system for the past few podcasts. But today we want to really cover the topic of migraines. And I think that, you know, migraines are just something that is, they're so painful and so debilitating. I've definitely had one or two in my life, and I really feel for the people that suffer with them on a day-to-day basis because they compromise everything. They they compromise, you know, your activities of daily living. Just you just feel overall legitimately terrible. <laughs> I think I've only had one, and I was like the biggest baby. I don't know how people do it. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting, too, because um, one of my patients that's come in in the past few months, uh, she has had debilitating migraines since she was in her 20s she's now in her 50s and she literally has had um, so many prescriptions over time but at the time of coming in she has six prescriptions hardcore prescriptions that she knows how to manipulate in order to dissolve the type of migraine because she has various types of migraines And she's like, well, based off of when I wake up, I kind of know, because they're every day, I know what type is coming. So I know that if I take a half of this pill and mix it with one of this, and then at two o'clock I take one of these, and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is just so horrible that, you know, I'm glad you figured it out, but this is just so horrible that you suffer with these every day. And it's to the capacity that you're acting as your own pharmacist in order to, you know, to combat these and, and live your life. So, you know, the really crazy thing about this woman specifically is that when we did her testing, uh, one of the things that was revealed was that she had massive, massive blood flow issues to the brain. And there were two parts of the brain that were the most compromised. One was the frontal cortex. The second part was the um, substantia nigra, uh, which is your hippocampus. It's where you have your short-term memories convert into long-term memory. So first you see your short-term memory go, uh, and then you start to have issues with your long-term memory. Um, but the further that that degenerates, you can develop Parkinson's as well. And as we were doing the testing, I started to notice things about this woman, and I noticed uh, that her facial expressions, she didn't really have um, many facial expressions, and I wasn't sure it was because of some of these hardcore medications that she was on or if that was just kind of her. 
So as I saw this coming up, I was like, you know, let's do a quick neurological test. And um, I had her walk. I noticed that her, she had no more arm swing. Also noticed she was really unstable. So it actually caused her um, to walk with her legs spread apart in order to try to keep herself more stable. And um, her eyes, very bloodshot. And I asked her, I was like, are your eyes bloodshot a lot? And she's like, yeah, pretty much every day. Um, wakes up with a pretty low, low-grade headache that develops into a migraine. So I tell you this story because one of the most common things that we see as a practice when people come in with these headaches, sinus pressure, tension headaches, or full-blown migraines is that there is usually um, some level of the cardiovascular system being involved. And so it's probably almost always yes. a, a level of it. I think it's confusing when I say cardiovascular system for people because they think heart, you know, they they think about that. But you have blood flow everywhere and you don't necessarily have to have a problem with your heart, but you can have problems with your blood vessels and you can easily have get your blood pressure taken and have it be low when they measure it in the arm. But you can actually have elevated blood pressure in the deeper vessels of your thorax and in your head. And we'll have you, you know, make sense of this, of why this happens this way. But the longer this goes on, the, lo- the, the more inclined um, you are to have neurological degeneration. And it's because one of the things that your brain thrives on is oxygen. So any tissue without oxygen becomes very compromised. And we get our oxygen from our blood. Exactly. So and that nutrients. And that's the other thing too is even um, you know when people talk about cancer and what cancer is and what cancer cells are, uh, cancer cells are um, healthy cells that became unhealthy. And the major shift that happens from healthy to unhealthy is that all of your cells, no matter if it's a liver cell, a brain cell, you know, a, a kidney cell, they all need oxygen. Every single cell needs oxygen to survive. So if your cells become compromised, if they become suffocated with scar tissue, if they do, uh, become compromised through toxicity or some type of infection, those cells will have to learn how to live without oxygen. And that shift from an uh, aerobic, which is an oxygen absorbing cell, to an anaerobic cell, which is it has to learn how to live without oxygen, that is a mutation that we call a cancer cell. The nice thing is that usually the body is going to give you some symptoms, some feedback mechanisms to tell you, hey, I'm not getting oxygen, with a headache and a migraine being one of those big uh, symptoms to the brain. Exactly. So we need to look at a headache or a migraine as being that warning sign and not necessarily being, oh, this is genetic, this runs in my family. And there's a lot of you know things that will compromise <clears throat> the way that the blood is flowing in and out of the head. But you know, just to give you like a basic foundation for what does your brain actually need? It needs oxygen through proper flowing blood. It also needs glucose. So despite as much as we talk about how sugar is so bad for you, and it is, but um, your brain does run on glucose. And when you eat vegetables, which is technically a carbohydrate, when you eat fruit, when you eat like whole foods, some of those foods do break down into carbohydrates or they break down into glucose. And your brain will use that as fuel. But unfortunately, 
in our lovely, uh, what do they call it? The uh, standard American diet, the sad, sad diet. So the standard American diet, most of our glucose or sugars are attached to fat. And, you know, when you think about fettuccine Alfredo, you know, you're getting the glucose from the pasta, but it's covered in cheese and, you know, butterfat. If you're having chocolate or ice cream, like there's fat in the mix of most of the glucose that we're consuming. Even with vegetables, you know, you eat broccoli, you're covering it in cheese to make it taste better. (laughs) So we're doing this um, and not necessarily understanding that when we mix it with fat, the brain is not necessarily using it as fuel at that point. So then we have a bunch of excess sugar floating around in our blood, which is what actually causes the constriction and compromises the way the blood is flowing to all parts of the body, but especially the brain. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the brain, the blood flow, there's so many different things, and like chemically, uh, there's like, as you talked about, you want to separate those those two, hundred uh, percent, and then you can look at you know the physical body. There's tons of problems that can be uh, literally not allowing uh, the blood. So when you look at the the brain, you want to look at blood flow in two ways. You know, blood flow to the brain, but also blood flow out of the brain, yep. um, and both can be problematic. So it's like and both can cause the migraines. And both can cause the migraines. Uh, so one of the things that I find clinically a lot is really just. Uh, most people would think of like the ox put in the neck and you know you talk to a chiropractor and like we got to check out your your first cervical vertebrae you know and that's all 100 percent. but honestly what i find more is the rib cage uh the rib cage because the when you think about it all of our big veins and arteries are coming Near up the collarbone. right around the collarbone and the majority of people today their their posture sucks. Uh, they're literally in like this protective sympathetic state, which has its own problems neurologically. You're forgetting that we're podcasting and videoing. So he's doing this motion <laughs> for those of you that are listening and can't actually see him. But what he's saying is that you're hunched over with your shoulders rolled forward. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm very visual. So with that being said, your shoulders are rolled forward. When your shoulders roll forward, uh, the rib cage drops down and out. And that really uh, pretty much compresses the neck, uh, will compress the clavicle and- Collarbone. Collarbone, (laughs) thank you. Uh, And won't allow that proper blood flow up to the brain, but also won't allow the blood flow to circulate out of the brain as well. And that's gonna create and lead to uh, pretty much the symptoms of migraines and headaches. Well, I think it's just huge because this is the structural piece that Dr. Nick is talking about because when it comes to what is impeding the blood flow, it's it could be structural and it could be a couple of other things. But one disclaimer that I wanna make too is that when you really think about um, blood flow and all of it's pumping out from the heart and you know the farthest parts away from the heart is your hands and feet. So if you're a person who's struggling with cold hands and feet, chances are you're also not getting proper circulation up to the head because not only is the head one of the other farthest distances from the heart, but it also has to go up against gravity. So getting blood flow into the head is also harder than getting it into other places. And there's so many things that that can affect that. You know, yeah. It's just like 
you know, I talked about rib cage and what I found best results working on that blood flow is kind of like starting on the foundational structures. And then once those are corrected, then working on the things that are like above it. Uh, Cause mm -hmm. I always get the scenario. It's like, you know, you don't want to go into a house that you're going to like, uh, I'm blanking out. Remediate yes. or renovate. Okay. I'm sorry. Renovate. <laughs> uh, definitely not a construction worker. <laughs> um, but as you're going through, it's like, I always say, it's like, you, you wouldn't redo your kitchen in your bathroom if foundationally that needs to be worked on first. So it's like working on the spine, working on the rib cage, and then once that's strong, if you're, that hasn't corrected the symptoms um, physically, you want to go in and you can check the oral, like you can check the palate and make sure the actual palate and looking at all this, the actual facial bones. And one of the most important ones is the sphenoid because um, it will literally torque and when that torques, uh, it throws every single other um, skull uh, bone around the brain out of its proper position as well. So it's making sure that all of the cranial bones, all the bones in your skull, all the bones in your face, uh, all the bones in your mouth, and everything down uh, foundationally holding the head up is in proper position to allow, just mechanically, uh, that Things blood to be move. Flown. Yeah. Well, just even backtracking is, you know, you might be thinking like, well, why would my rib cage be a problem? So part of it is the posture that Nick is talking about. But one of the big reasons why you can have issues in your rib cage that, you know, compromise the structure that are is impeding the blood flow is car accidents with a seatbelt on. So when you have a seatbelt on and you get thrown forward or even to the side, you have a tendency to have a pretty significant impact on your sternum as well as on your rib cage. So that's one of the ways that your rib cage can become compromised in the first place. And the other one is just impact. So, you know, I had a patient the other day I was talking to and he was talking about migraines and he was talking about a lot of neck problems. And I was like, have you had any head injuries? Have you had any car accidents? And he's like, no, no, definitely no injuries. And then mom chimes in. She goes, he's a hockey player. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, you've had plenty of impact injuries. So, you know, when you're playing football, you're playing hockey, you're playing other things that you're getting tackled, potentially getting the wind knocked out of you, you can easily have issues that are happening in the collarbone, in the rib cage, let alone if you've actually had a shoulder problem, you had frozen shoulder, you tore your AC joint, like all of those things are significant that not many people are necessarily saying are connected to your headaches and migraines. Because it's not that the shoulder is like shooting the pain up to your head. It's that these misalignments, the, the scar tissue, you know, the muscle adhesions that is impeding the blood flow in and out. So, I mean, and there is that muscle attachment that could just be constantly pulling to create that headache. Oh yeah. Not so much usually a migraine though. Definitely. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for listening and allow you to know that we work with clients from all over the world. You can check out more information at integrativewellnessgroup.com to learn a little bit more about how we work with our clients remotely. So that's why you hear about some people that get, you know, physical therapy or they get chiropractic and they're like, oh my gosh, this radically changed my migraines because the foundation for that person was truly structural. There are many other people that it's a little bit different of a ball game. So if you have a person who is, you know, dealing with the migraines again because of blood flow, the blood flow might be compromised because they have really, really abnormal blood sugar. And I want to touch on this because I think that when we get our blood work done 
And if your blood, your glucose or your hemoglobin A1C are elevated or slightly elevated, you know, you get put in this category of pre-diabetic or diabetic. And that's when, that's what we classify as bad. But if you have low blood sugar, nobody's necessarily saying that that causes problems. We're just like, oh, you have low blood sugar, you know, just make sure you keep a candy bar on you in case your sugar dips. And in reality, low blood sugar or being hypoglycemic is just as problematic for your brain and your blood vessels as being a diabetic. And I will describe what this looks like because every time I describe it to a patient, they like laugh because they're like, holy crap, that you just told me my biography. Mm-hmm. But it's the hypoglycemic people are the people that wake up in the morning. They're not very hungry. If anything, you might even like have an aversion to food, be like, oh, I couldn't even imagine eating right now. That's when you're really severe hypoglycemic. But you're not hungry. You have some coffee, some other type of caffeine. It suppresses your appetite. You get to lunchtime. You're like, oh, my God. God, I'm starving. And you usually intuitively want something with carbs. Either you want your sushi roll, your rice bowl, your sandwich, your burrito. Then you're like, oh God, food coma, can't even function. You need your midday coffee. You do it again. You wait till dinner. Oh my gosh, I'm starving. You're eating cheese and crackers. You eat your dinner. Now you want something sweet. I said, And then you sit on the couch. And then you sit on the couch and watch TV. So this is something that so many people are doing. And I'm laughing because this was me. And then the best part is, is that intermittent fasting became a thing. And I was like, oh, I'm intermittent fasting. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, oh, well, no, this is good. This is good. (laughs) So intermittent fasting is great. But you should not intermittent fast seven days a week. You should intermittent fast two to three times a week. Because if you do it too many days, it is going to put your body in a hypoglycemic state, but it puts you in survival mode. So your body actually starts to store fat because it thinks it's um, it's preparing for a famine. Yep. And I mean, it, you're teaching your body to hold on to your glucose at the same time instead of just like, let's use my glucose up and then get into that, you know. Yeah. State, so. Well, and when you're dealing with this low blood sugar, what's happening is that you're eating something. You could be the healthiest eater in the world, but if you're, you are already hypoglycemic, you eat, you know, a nice big salad with maybe some berries on it. And maybe, you know, you have a dressing that has a little bit of sugar that will spike and crash you, let alone if you're doing like heavy on the carb sandwiches, you know, rice bowls. What's going to just happen is you're just going to be on a roller coaster all day of spike crash, spike crash. So this is going to screw up how well your pancreas is making what we call insulin. And just to make it simple is that insulin pretty much allows your cells, including your brain cells, to use the glucose. So if you don't have insulin, you can't use the glucose. So it just floats around in your bloodstream and screws up your um, blood flow. So your blood sugar can very much be a culprit to your migraines. And a lot of people resonate with this because they're like, you know what, when I don't eat, um, I definitely get a headache or a migraine. So that is a sign that your blood sugar is extremely unstable. Um, And the other thing too is if you get super irritable, if you haven't eaten for a while, if you get shaky, if you faint, like you're, you're, you know, you're on that severe spectrum. The hangriness. Hangry, yes. But unfortunately, I know at least for my patients that I'm seeing, I think everybody has somewhat of a blood sugar problem right now. 
Is that safe to say for your patients as well? It's almost 100%, yeah. And I'm not saying severe, but I'm saying it's just right now. Like, I'll give you an example. I was the big Starbucks uh, vanilla mint latte was a phase, and then there was the mocha latte was a phase. But, like, that was my jam. I, I love that stuff. Still, I thought You still sound really passionate about it. I'm very passionate about it. <laughs> I don't do it very often. But when I started to get into this world and started to learn more about nutrition, I was like, you know what? All right, shouldn't do the syrups. I need to get off the dairy. And I switched to, you know, I, I think at first it was almond milk, and then it was the coconut milk lattes. And uh, when I made myself a coconut milk latte at my house, I was like, hmm, this tastes different. <laughs> and what I realized is that, you know, I think I'm doing better. I'm not adding any physical sugar to my drink, but the coconut milk alone had, you know, almost 30 grams of sugar in it. So it's like we are not always aware of how much sugar we're being exposed to it's on a day-to-day -day basis. An adult soda. Literally. Um, somebody, somebody posted something funny the other day, and they were saying... Um, Take or drinking kombucha for um, probiotics is like like drinking soda for energy or like some things like that. And you don't really think about it because you hear all this great stuff about kombucha, but really some of these companies that are making it, it's chock full of sugar as well. So we really need to you know pay more attention to how much sugar intake you know we're having. But it's also about how are we eating? Are we just never eating breakfast, uh, or if we're starting our day with muffins, bagels, waffles, pancakes? Like that's also going to completely destroy your blood sugar stability through the day. So these are all important things to consider when you're suffering with migraines. Did you want to talk about a couple more other symptoms? Or, uh, yeah, go ahead. So I think we might have talked about this uh, a couple of podcasts before, but um, the gallbladder meridian, I mean, there's some mm -hmm. other meridians, but it's like when you, if you Google meridians over the head, uh, literally the gallbladder meridian takes up both temples. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's like making sure not only that, you know, digestively, that your liver, your gallbladder, everything's working properly, uh, but then also making sure that, you know, you're getting your meridians evaluated uh, so that there's no energetic stress because if those meridian points uh, aren't aren't flowing, uh, they're going to create that tension and that build up. The brain's very sensitive and you can have either the headaches or the migraines coming just from literally uh, that meridian point mm -hmm. being uh, stagnant. Well, I'm glad you said that, too, because I think it is important for people to know that the location of your headache or migraine actually means something different. So like Dr. Nick is saying is if you constantly have issues with your temples, then that can definitely be correlated to the gallbladder. Because like he said, like literally, if you Google it, it just comes up and wraps like right to the temple. But then a lot of people have, you know, frontal um, headaches or migraines. So frontal um, is very big with the blood sugar. And it's because one of the parts of your brain that is most impacted by glucose is your prefrontal cortex, which is just think of your forehead. So the major blood sugar people, they're gonna have headaches in the front of the head. Don't get me wrong, obviously sinuses can play a role in that. But the, um, the people that are really struggling with the blood flow, uh, especially if the blood flow is coming from neck being out of alignment, a lot of congestion in the glands or the lymph nodes or that collarbone rib cage issue, they're gonna get the headaches behind the eye. 
and the headaches behind the eyes, sometimes it's both, sometimes it's moves. They say, oh, sometimes it's my left, sometimes it's my right. But that can very much be correlated to the physical stuff that we talked about, but it can also be very correlated to um, the blood not flowing out because you have all these swollen glands that are impeding how the veins are draining the blood out. And then I'd say a lot of the, the headaches and migraines in the back, uh, that tends to be more neurological to the eyes. Uh, so mm -hmm. there's usually a cranial nerve issue um, or some type of issue that's happening through. The eyes are, quote unquote, being overworked uh, mm -hmm. just because there's some dysfunction happening there. So then, And that's one of the podcasts that I want to talk about, too, uh, moving forward, is uh, we want to do something about how... Um, bad vision is associated with you know a bad brain essentially but you know i think it's really relevant here talking about the migraines uh, because there are people that have that aura or they have that visual involvement or they have to go and have the lights off and their eyes closed and they need that complete darkness so really that's a sign that the back of the brain the occipital lobe is involved and, you know, it maybe is starting with the eyes or maybe it started with a head injury. You know, every single person's really different. But if you're also a person that has bloodshot eyes pretty consistently, that's a blood flow issue. So you could have a blood flow issue that actually can almost create a low grade glaucoma. That's what glaucoma is, is intraocular pressure. So that can start to screw up the eyes, which screws up the cranial nerves, which screws up your brain. <laughs> so it becomes, you know, it can start with you had the head injury, which caused the vascular issues, or the vascular issues can start to compromise the brain. So it can definitely happen vice versa. So for those of you that have had concussions or you've had, you know, some good bumps to the head, you know, you, it's not that you know, you necessarily have scar tissue or you have, you know, post-concussive syndrome, you might actually have compromised how well the blood can flow to that area of the brain. So that's actually even a, a funny story too, is I had a patient and um, so when I do my consultations now, I ask questions so many different ways and it like just keeps building and building because uh, I used to, you know, just ask, like, have you had any head injuries? And I'm like, before you answer, I don't necessarily mean concussions, but, you know, any good bumps to the head? Did you play soccer and head the ball? You know, did you play field hockey and, you know, get whacked in the head one time? And then, you know, people, no, 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 definitely not. So I was using one of our technologies called the bioresonance on one of our patients who knowed me to death about head injuries and uh, because her big complaint was visual and it was specifically just on one side. So if her vision is only compromised on one side, I start thinking, okay, well, there's something neurologically going on because otherwise it would be both eyes. So, uh, so I start doing her bioresonance scan, which is very visual uh, and you can check it out on our, on our website. And she has... But so black means dysfunction. She has black overlaying the blood vessels of the left side of her frontal cortex. And I was like, so you're sure nothing happened? And I noticed she had a little scar. And I was like, so what's that scar from? And she's like, oh, my God, I got hit with a golf club when I was in college. She's like, I was golfing. And yeah, this girl just turned around and whacked me in the head by accident. And I was like, oh, <laughs> 
So now I ask, do you have scars on your head? Is <laughs> another way that I ask my questions. Um, but she, it wasn't that she necessarily had headaches. She actually had a lot of visual problems on that side. And a lot of it came back to um, the blood flow issues that was happening to the eye, the optic nerve, as well as the frontal cortex of the brain. Crazy stuff. I know. It's so cool, though. I, like, dork myself out so hard every day at work because it's just, like, so fun piecing the puzzle together for people. So should we do a little recap of the different systems and what can be done to actually heal and not have headaches and migraines? Do it. Okay. I guess I will. <laughs> I thought it was a question of you just keep talking. Um Structurally, uh, making sure everything's mechanically lined up, you know, starting with that foundation. So making sure the spine is able to sit up properly, the rib cage isn't collapsed, it's open and allowing proper blood flow. Upon the rib cage, you know, looking at all of those small little bones, uh, not only inside the mouth, the palate. The big reason the palate's so important is you think of like, you know, blood has to come down, and if there's any restrictions in like the one side of the palate's rocked up forward or rotated back, because uh, literally the palate's not one solid bone, uh, it's almost like cut in half. Um, so that's another big thing. It's like we didn't even get on the dental aspect and braces and all of that, but mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times uh, these. Um, dentists will actually have a bar and connect both sides of the palate together, uh, the upper palate, and which is just one of the worst things that can yeah. be done uh, to detoxing the brain um, and helping blood flow uh, to well, create. And on the flip side, sometimes palate expansion is really beneficial for people. No, yeah, 100%. I had a patient the other day, and she was saying... Uh, she's coming in, she's young, she's coming in with a lot of neurological issues, but it was maybe eight years ago she had um, her palate expanded for just dentally, like they weren't doing it for her headaches or anything mm -hmm. like that. And she, we were talking about it and her, she looked at her mom, she goes, that was the, that was one of the best things that I ever did. That made me feel so much better when I, when I had that done. Yeah. So, and I explained to them why, and it was just Im improving the blood flow. Right. So it's just making sure mechanically, physically, everything's you know lined up. Then next thing, more structurally, is still looking at all the neurological systems. So making sure all all the nerves in the brain, all the cranial nerves, everything's firing well. So it's not creating stress. Uh, we didn't go in depth about it, but there's hemisphericity issues that can put a lot of stress onto the brain. So it's like if the left side of the brain's working more than the right side of the brain, that's going to create more imbalances because you have to think about when the brain is firing, it's gonna use up oxygen, it's gonna use up nutrients, and it's gonna be more blood flow to that area. So it's gonna cause a deficiency on the opposite side that's really not working because it doesn't need blood flow. So that can cause a lot of issues just neurologically, um, still affecting you know blood flow and the, the nerve firing components of it. Uh, and then looking, you know, biochemically, which you know, blood sugar. we went really in depth talking about the blood sugar. Um, big thing we didn't even talk about is just when we have high amounts of blood sugar, it pretty much shrinks the brain. And it doesn't shrink the brain like the melatonin, uh, shrinks it in a negative way, uh, which pretty much makes you more dumb. Uh, <laughs> because I try to be blunt, try to be throwing it right out there, but it's like you, we want a nice, big, healthy brain. Um, and when we're given this beautiful thing and we don't take care of it, uh, when it's damaged, it will actually decrease in size and then you're gonna have a lot of neurological uh, yeah. issues from that as well. Well, and there's so many derivatives of sugar and high fructose corn syrup and it's becoming more and more processed and more and more foreign to the body. 
but you know, with what Nick is saying too, is this is not necessarily about you guys figuring this out on your own. Um, you know, unfortunately, when it comes to uh, physicians that are evaluating blood flow, you know, especially to the brain, that is not necessarily happening often. Number one and number two is there's not a ton of tests that are available to really give us accurate information uh, for our neurological health. And, you know, I obviously know MRIs and CT scans exist, but uh, even when it comes to brain degeneration and, um, you know, myelin degeneration, you have to actually have more of 70 per, or 70% or more uh, degeneration in the brain before anything shows up on an MRI. Yeah, it's like if you do, a typical doctor won't even, you uh, evaluate this way, it would be a functional MRI. That's going to be the the best in that world to really show you how the brain's looking. But Yeah, but there's still limitations with so much of the testing out there. And when it comes to, you know, when we're looking at the body, we're trying to look at all of these components to really weigh out, you know, is there a component that this person has a lot of issues with their glands? Do they have structural issues that are going on? You know, do they have blood flow issues because of abnormal blood sugar? Or do they actually have a heart condition that is either diagnosed or undiagnosed. So you have to piece the puzzle together and you have to look at the body from an integrative standpoint. Because even today, you know, we're talking about migraines, which is usually classified as a neurological issue, or you go to a neurologist, and then we're talking how cardiovascular affects it, which is a cardiologist. So, and especially if you're going to a cardiologist and they're doing a stress test or they're doing, you know, some of their more common tests, that might not come up abnormal um, to be reflective of, you know, abnormal blood flow in and out of the head or even like a high blood pressure in the head. You're not always going to find that through those more traditional tests. So um, fortunately, we've worked really hard on trying to get our hands on some really advanced types of testing in our practice. And we have the ability to evaluate all these different systems to get clarity on this and obviously to be able to give you solutions. Uh, because when it comes to even the structural stuff that you're talking about, Nick, is you know you could maybe do some foam rolling and you can obviously work on your posture and try to stand more and sit less. But sometimes you know you need a little bit of assistance with that, especially for someone who has had like a really significant shoulder injury or an AC joint separation or they've had a neck fusion. You know, going in there and helping those people using technologies to break down the scar tissue or to you know detox out different infections that are creating these um, roadblocks. These are all things that uh, we work with in our practice to to lift that burden and to get things actually working more optimally. Uh, 100%. It's like it's just structurally looking. It's just like if you're trying to physically hold yourself up in good posture, but it's it's fatiguing yourself, it's mm -hmm. because you're using your muscles instead of your skeleton system uh, mm -hmm. to hold you up. You shouldn't really have to use much energy to mm -hmm. have good posture. Yeah. Uh, so when that's the case, then yeah, you need some extra help to make sure your skeletal system can just hold itself there. But then in the meantime, really teaching and having proper exercises teach your muscles how to then have mm -hmm. that you know neuroplasticity to hold yourself in that position. Yeah, and even with the blood sugar conversation too, is that I know so many people that come to me and they're like, I've changed my diet, I'm eating so much healthier, like I don't understand, you know, why I'm not reaping the benefits of it. And, you know, sometimes when it comes to the pancreas, sometimes your pancreas is not regulating blood sugar because 
of you know the bad habits of not eating breakfast, eating too much sugar in your diet, but sometimes your pancreas is stressed because your pancreas is actually directly connected to your small intestine. So if you've had a lot of small intestine issues, you've had a lot of reflux, indigestion, heartburn, um, you know, you've had H. pylori infections, whatever the case may be, you could easily have a stressed pancreas that is actually due to infections. So sometimes you need a little bit more help with healing the pancreas than just changing the diet overall. But for those of you that have been listening and are just completely fascinated and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been suffering for so long and I really want to get rid of my migraines, you know, check out our website, integrativewellnessgroup.com. You can actually schedule a strategy call there to learn a little bit more about the process, the testing and all that good stuff. But um, I thank you guys for being with us and I will see you next week when we are talking all about vision and the brain. We thank you for being a listener and subscriber to Integrative Wellness Radio. If you're looking to learn more about Integrative Wellness Group as well as Dr. Nick or Dr. Nicole, you can check out integrativewellnessgroup.com.